wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rose, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class redneck goose. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at Wrestling TWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificence, you're going to be mine. Here's Jonathan Hood. This is Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. Don't forget to check out the YouTube page as well, YouTube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. If you haven't subscribed by now, subscribe to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on YouTube, YouTube.com. Long-form interviews that you might have missed, long-form shows that you might have missed, Regarding professional wrestling slash sports entertainment, youtube.com. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. You can also email the show, uthpods at outlook.com. It's uthpods, P-O-D-S, at outlook.com. And I really want to get your feedbacks. A lot of you had some feedback on last week's show when I got a chance to talk to J.R. Bang about the fallout with Jordan Miles and the controversial T-shirt from the WWE and also some feedback from my second show I do. You know, we have two shows now, two shows a week for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, working with uh, Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. So uh, always welcome your feedback, uh, whether it's a tweet at WrestlingTWT or, of course, email UTHPods at Outlook.com. We have got a lot to talk about here on this Tuesday morning as I record this at 10 o'clock Central Time. Let's start off first with new, the word new, right? When it comes to professional wrestling, one of the things that we look at is saying, man, I like this show, but what is next? What is new, right? When it comes to the WWE, when you go on social media, the number one concern and complaint that people have about the WWE is that... You get the same. It's stale. The booking is stale. Things that you saw a couple of years ago, you're seeing now. You're not getting things that are new and interesting. Well, the reason why that SmackDown was a huge trend over this past weekend is because we as wrestling fans saw something new. People just going crazy, like, oh, this is the greatest SmackDown I've ever seen. I can't believe how good this SmackDown was. Oh, wow, is is unbelievable. The action from start to finish, all two hours was great. We saw an actual wrestling show. There's so many people, whether it's former wrestlers, whether it is fans like you and I, that 
was talking about SmackDown and said, wow, I can't believe how good the show was. I watched the show as well. And all I had to do is smile to myself because I'm thinking, well, one of the reasons why SmackDown was so good is because a lot of the SmackDown roster was in Saudi Arabia on their way back from Saudi Arabia from their Crown Jewel event. And we'll get into that in a little bit on why it took so long for them to come stateside. But with the SmackDown roster being in Saudi Arabia, NXT took over the show. And I don't know if that was all Triple H. I understand a lot of it was Triple H. I don't know if any of it was Bruce Pritchard. But the point is, is that Triple H came up with an idea that because you had so few wrestlers from the actual SmackDown show that was available, why not have NXT take over to try to push Survivor Series in Chicago? Makes a lot of sense. Makes total sense. Because it's a crossover situation for those that just watch. There's some that just watch Raw. There's some that just watch SmackDown. There's some that just watch a couple shows, including NXT. But NXT has never been on Fox television before. So it was an introduction for NXT wrestlers to go over to Fox. And now there's a crossover. If you liked what you saw as a general WWE viewer, but never watching NXT. Now you're interested because now NXT is part of the Survivor Series. So now you might see a little bit of a bump up from fans just interested in what the NXT show is going to look like on Wednesday night. It's a great crossover event. It made a lot of sense, especially with the circumstances with the wrestlers being in Saudi Arabia. Here's how people view the WWE. And this is just based on my social media, your social media as well. Many look at the WWE as Alabama football, like Duke basketball, like the New England Patriots, Yankees baseball, uh, Manchester United or Liverpool soccer, football. Because they are long-standing organizations, teams, that have won before, that have won a lot And some don't like the evil empire, but some root for the evil empire because as the evil empire goes, so goes professional wrestling. It's always been said, back in the territory days, even though the NWA and Mid-South and World Class Championship Wrestling out of Dallas and Don Owen in Portland and all the other territories across the United States They probably did not like Vince McMahon very much, maybe hated Vince McMahon. But they knew that if New York was doing well, New York being the WWE territory at the time, if New York does well, everybody does well. And that is the truth now in 2019. New York being the WWE is doing well, well enough. And so now you take a look at all the other companies that you like across the board, and they're doing well as well. Independence, independence across the country, around the world. As long as the WWE is doing well, everybody else gets a chance to do well because now there's a general interest in professional wrestling slash sports entertainment. But here's the ultimate point. When you take a look at this past Friday SmackDown, it's about new, right? Who knew that Adam Cole would take on Daniel Bryan anytime in the next 10 years? let alone on SmackDown, for the NXT Championship. (laughs) Adam Cole defeating Daniel Bryan in a hell of a match. And it wasn't just because it was the novelty of these two taking on one another again. It's just the idea that to see Cole and Bryan on Fox television on SmackDown was a surprise to everybody. And it was a very, very solid match. Very good. 
That's what you want. To be able to look at some of the highlights of, of SmackDown and people saying, I couldn't turn it off from start to finish, it was great. Who knew we'd see Tommaso Ciampa take on Miz? Two different, completely different styles. But just the idea that Miz set up Ciampa in a great way. Talking about, I know who you are, and trying to give the platitudes and all of the things that we know about Tommaso Ciampa. Miz talking about who Ciampa is. That set everything up. Whatever you think about the Miz, whether you don't like him or you like him, whatever, Miz knows what he's doing as far as his promo ability to be able to verbally um, get himself over. And maybe he's not the greatest wrestler in the world, but he understands how to be able to get someone over and himself over. And I thought that that was brilliant. To see Bailey take on Nikki Cross uh, for the SmackDown Women's Championship, another terrific match. The When you see Brock Lesnar make it from Saudi Arabia with Paul Heyman, and pretty much Brock Lesnar quit Friday Night SmackDown so he can take on Rey Mysterio, well, I don't know if that's a match I necessarily want to see, but the point is is that it was something big. It was a moment where Paul Heyman says, you know what, we're going to go after Rey Mysterio. Since we, we are on SmackDown, we're going to quit SmackDown to get to Raw so we can see Rey Mysterio because of the whole thing with Cain Velasquez and Rey Mysterio. So, you know, it's not like I've never seen that match before, but the point is, is that that's an angle. And it was huge. It was huge for everybody because it was nonstop action. You saw the NXT wrestlers going after SmackDown wrestlers. You saw some of those backstage issues where Bianca Belair beating the, beating the crap out of, of women <laughs> back there at the back. It was really good. It was very well done. To see Sami Zayn out there, Sam, you know, it just all that was really, really solid. And we talk about where people were looking at SmackDown, and if you watched it, you know what I'm talking about. People were just so excited just to see Tom Phillips back in the booth calling SmackDown because people got used to Tom Phillips and his cadence and the way that he would uh, announce. I think Tom was very solid as a broadcaster. Um, And you see Renee Young back in the commentary desk and see Aiden English and to see Pat McAfee out there. Pat McAfee's out there. We're going to hear from Pat in just a moment. Pat McAfee's out there almost like, yeah, I'm... I'm just going to go out there and just be myself. Pat McAfee sounds like he does on Get Up on ESPN, like he does doing college football, just kind of relaxed and just really funny and interesting and just sounds different than any other broadcaster. And so people were popping for McAfee just for him out, for him to be out there, for Aiden English to be out there because people like new. And people looked at it like, wow, this is a, a night off for us because we'd have to hear Michael Cole and Corey Graves. Just be, just from a new broadcast team, just to be able to see new matches, just to be able to have a show that moves, people were into it. And so that just is once again the litmus test of watching wrestling and people saying, you know, I watch the show every week, nothing ever happens, watch the show every week. And all of a sudden the show ends with a full NXT roster in the ring, holding up their championships, flexing their t-shirts, you're not our kind, and just reigning over the WWE. It was a great SmackDown because it's new, because it's different. So Pat McAfee 
was on his show talking about his SmackDown experience because of Colin Graves not being available. As I mentioned, there had to be a new broadcast team, and Pat McAfee was part of it. He had no idea he was even going to be on the show until he was able to get a plane <laughs> from Jim Irsay, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts. So he tells a story on his show on The Zone. I was watching uh, the Niners-Cardinals game, flying up to Buffalo. I land like an hour and 45 minutes before the show starts. Nobody there. Nobody. Everybody's stuck in transit. I see Mr. H. He's talking to uh, Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I turn in, Triple H stands up. He like cuts off his conversation with Brock. I'm like, oh, no. I don't want to do, I don't want to make that guy mad. So I go over to Brock immediately, shake his mitt. Are you kidding me? That thing engulfed my arm all the way up to my middle of my forearm. Massive ham hocks. Massive, massive, massive ham hocks there. Hey, nice to meet you, sir. You're a legend. He goes, uh, you too. And I was like, oh, well, you said it. And I just walk away. Talk to Mr. H. I go, what's the plan? He goes, we got a good one for you. I'm like, all right. I get a text from Michael Cole. He's like, have you heard the plan yet? I'm like, no. He's like, we got a good one for you. Nobody told me the plan still. We're like an hour before the show. I get told the plan, and then we immediately go into Vince McMahon's office. I'm wearing a sleeveless hoodie and jorts. I had a sport coat and a button down just in case what happened at WrestleMania happens here. Sure. Just in case I was going to get kicked out. Vince McMahon still got his fastball, by the way. Still got his fastball in a meeting. Still sending zingers out there. Runs through the entire thing about an hour before the show. I go out there at about 8.30, last hour and a half, doing commentary with Tom Phillips and Renee Young, and I had the time of my life out there. When I say I had a blast, I mean I had a blast. The NXT brand, which is the brand I work for, uh, that Triple H runs, there's Raw, there's SmackDown, there's NXT. Basically, the NXT superstars took over Friday Night SmackDown because there was nobody there, so we kind of made it a show about NXT and NXT TakeOver for Survivor Series. And I had a blast. I'm friends with basically everybody there. They kind of let me do my thing. And Vince McMahon was in my ear a couple times. And I think I even heard him laugh once. Stephanie McMahon was in my ear a couple times. I think I even heard her laugh once. It was a success. And I had a blast. And it all came to be within five hours. And Jim Irsay, honestly, you've given me a lot. A lot. Too much. You grossly overpaid me to kick balls. To drop your G4. <laughs> Just like that, for me to do that is so cool. I don't know how many other owners would do that. I don't know how many other people would be that lucky. But for me, I made a bunch of, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I could do that. And I had no idea if, yeah, I could do that. And then it all came together very last minute, and I had a great time. And you great created time. the greatest gift of all time, by the way. Stephanie McMahon mm. waving and, and blowing a kiss to Triple H, who's standing right in front of me, <laughs> and then me waving back. I didn't know if they caught it. I knew it was going to be a magical moment. It looked like your first day of school saying bye like your parents. <laughs> it was a dream, man. The, the fact that that came together as quick as it did, a lot of brilliance up there. And some are saying that's the greatest SmackDown in the history of SmackDowns. Well, the ratings indicate that. The ratings were up. Your boy had a good time, man. There's no way I had any coos in the booth, though. I was doing things you're not supposed to do. In the middle of promos, I'd be like, hmm. Like, while people are talking, hmm. See, but that's why, like, you know, granted, you're my boss, but I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. Anyone who would watch that would tell, like, it that enhances what you're watching. Like, it's not, it's different than anything else you're used to seeing, which is why you put the asses in the seats, which is why people want to watch that stuff. Yeah, some people hate me. This is the way it goes. And to them, I say... I'd probably hate you too. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
Thoughts there from Pat McAfee uh, on his show on the Zone. Interesting. Uh, he mentioned that Vince McMahon still has his fastball. Oh, oh, interesting. So he's not a doddering old fool. <laughs> Vince apparently still has his fastball, according to Pat McAfee. All right, let's go into the fallout in Saudi Arabia. So there was a meeting on Monday before SmackDown uh, about what happened in Saudi Arabia. So Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez from Wrestling Observer Live talked about what happened in the meeting. I guess it was Vince McMahon meeting with the raw talent to explain why that there was mechanical failure why so many wrestlers had to wait almost another day to be able to come home after the Crown Jewel event. And that's another story, too. So Vince Vince called a meeting at 3 o'clock in uh, New York. Um, only the Raw crew was there, obviously. And nobody said anything, basically, you know, for the most part. Um, he, so, so, this, this this is the way I was told it was explained. It was explained that nothing's wrong, everything's fine. Um, you know, it's mechanical problems, and that's it. There's nothing more to say. It's just mechanical problems. And I know people who were so vehement that that's not true. To me, after the meeting, and and all you know, ever since that that you know that that was originally said. Um, but that is the story. It's it you know it's what they told the guys. And I think the guys who don't believe it were real mad. And the guys who were willing to accept it were willing to accept it. Um, he said, now I was told that the reason, this is, this is from WWE. I was told that the reason that the television show didn't air was because of a technical issue. Vince told the talent that the reason, I mean, the, the television show, this, we're talking about the, the, the Crown Jewel not airing live in Saudi Arabia, it aired a 40-minute delay. Vince told the talent that that was a decision made by Saudi Arabia to delay it for 40 minutes. So that's what he said at the meeting. Um, and they asked for questions, if anyone had questions, and nobody had questions. Um... Randy Orton sort of said something. He just basically tried to make a joke. Um, uh, Rusev actually did say something, but, you know, it wasn't, he didn't end up asking any questions. And Seth talked, and I guess he's real mad at me over that. But, you know, I guess I'm in good company with people Seth's been knocking of late. The, um, you know, can you imagine, seriously, with the number that they've done on his career, and he's still, you know, uh, I don't know. What am I going to say? What's he mad about? I mean, he mentioned hashtag raw raw. So apparently he's, is he trying to claim that he didn't do a raw raw speech and that you're inaccurate by stating that he did? I couldn't tell you because he didn't explain it. Um, I was told that he was out there just, you know, basically trying to be the locker room leader and you know, be, you know, pro whatever, pro company. And some people didn't think it came off very well. And I guess he's mad at that. And, you know, he's got, he's got other things to be mad about, obviously. But that's another issue. Um, but whatever, that's, that's his deal. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so 
Um, but that's, yeah, that's pretty much it as far as that went. Um, no, no big stuff in the meeting itself. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of people were real, real upset. A lot of people are still real upset as far as if they stay upset. Put it this way. The guys who aren't happy there are more unhappy there. The guys who are, have no intention of leaving are still not going to leave. And, you know, that's basically it. And in time, you know, in theory, in time, everything dissipates. I was, someone told me it was actually around back then, you know, made a comparison to right after the Survivor Series, you know, in 1997. And I said, like, look, you know, the, the um, you know, a couple of weeks later, after the Survivor Series, every, you know, all that, you know, everybody pretty much fell in line. And the only guy, you know, I mean, and, and, and there were no long-term talent issues. No, but even with the Survivor Series, there were people that were like, didn't Mick Foley not show up the next day? And Mick Foley was the only one yeah. that didn't show He didn't show up for about a week or but so. But everybody showed up tonight. Well, nobody was not going to show up. I mean, that wasn't even, I never heard anyone say they were boycotting a show or, or going to, because here's the, here's the deal. I mean, you, you can't, I mean, you can, you can't breach your contract because if you want to leave, you've got to wait your contract out. I mean, you can't just quit because then they just freeze your contract. They fine you. You know what I mean? It's like you, you can't like not go. I mean, I know Mick Foley years ago, but it was a very different era back then. And they talked him into coming back, and, and they understood. Um, you know, no, I, I never heard one person even insinuate that they would miss any time or they were that that like that was going to happen. Yeah, it couldn't. But I did hear people say that it was a worse situation and people were madder than, than after Montreal and that maybe this one, you know, people will, you know, stay mad. But, but you know, in time, you're not going to, I don't think. I mean, as far as, like, who doesn't go to the next one, who, who knows? You know, there's a lot of wives that, that don't want their husbands going, but, you know, that's a different issue. But, you know, as far as, like, what's going to happen, I mean, the next show's going to be in, like, June. So it's, that's a long, long way away for people to react however they're going to react. But, you know. It seems strange for these wives to be so upset if it was just this simple mechanical issue. Well, yeah. I. <laughs> yeah. So interesting thoughts there from Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez regarding Saudi Arabia, where there was a meeting and, you know, you could just see some of the pictures, some of the video of the wrestlers coming off of the plane. And the the story is, is that they, a lot of the WWE talent thought that they would be able to get on that plane and get back home. And the question is, was it a mechanical issue or was it because the WWE was trying to get their payment and they never got their payment from the uh, the officials in Saudi Arabia? So Vince pulled the plug on the Saudi Arabia feed in that country and the show was delayed for 40 minutes. Who knows? Who knows? But that is uh, it's quite interesting. That's for sure. Uh, but I just know the talent. Uh, I saw some of the people on Twitter, including Buddy Murphy, tweeted never again, meaning that I'll never do this trip again. And I guess it's one of those things where you can decide whether or not you want to go to Saudi Arabia or not. I guess it's up to the talent. But uh, 
that's a scary situation. Just according to these reports and reading what I have, uh, some of the talent, a lot of the talent, not happy that they couldn't get out of that country right away, that they had to wait and be on one plane, and that plane wasn't. I mean, listen, I'm someone who travels. You're probably someone who travels as well. There's always going to be airline issues, um, but when you're the WWE and Vince McMahon is already gone, he left as soon as the show was over and the talent is left behind. Well, you know, you wonder about leadership there. Maybe he, he had to be aware because he can take phone calls in the air, but he's gone getting, trying to get to the SmackDown in Buffalo and all of his, a lot of his talent roster is left behind. That's just a bad look. Let me read you this story from the New York Post regarding this story we're talking about regarding the WWE in Saudi Arabia. I just know that if I'm a wrestler, I'd want to get out of that country as as quickly as possible. Um, So World Wrestling Entertainment has agreed to stage two major events in Saudi Arabia every year, just days after a surprise delay of its Crown Jewel broadcast last week stoked speculation of a rift with uh, the country. The expanded eight-year deal capped a chaotic week in which a prominent wrestling commentator, Hugo Savinovich, uh, claimed that WWE chief executive Vince McMahon had abruptly cut Saudi Arabia's live feed to last week's Crown Jewel event because the oil-rich kingdom had failed to pay the network for its broadcast. That in turn stoked rumors published by a number of um, outlets, including Sportskeeda, the sports app, and other outlets, that Saudi Arabia... Uh, and their crown prince, Mohammed, uh, retaliated by detaining a plane set to fly 175 WWE staffers, including numerous high-profile wrestlers, out of the country. WWE on Friday confirmed that wrestlers like Carl Anderson and Brian Myers, both who compete on Raw, sat on the tarmac for six hours but blamed the late takeoff on mechanical issues. The plane's owner, Atlas Air, issued a similar statement adding that the aircraft is being repaired and will be inspected and certified before running or returning to service. So Wall Street anxiety over the chaos helped send WWE stock down about 5% in regular trading on Monday, continuing a slide that began last Thursday when the company reported disappointing third quarter results and slashed its profit forecast. The shares rebounded after the markets closed, however, gaining 6.3% in extending Uh, extended training on news that WWE and Saudi Arabia had expanded their partnership for live events. So there's going to be common ground and there is going to be even more events in Saudi Arabia. They just can't help it. The WWE wants more of that cash from Saudi Arabia. Looks like the payment's been made, but still, if you're a wrestler, you can't be happy that you had to sit on the tarmac. Mechanical issues, eh, it could be, or was there issues there? In Saudi Arabia, you don't know. And so that's the thing that uh, that uh, we'll keep our eyes on. But again, there's going to be more events. Now, here's a question. How many other wrestlers, after that experience, how many other wrestlers will tell Vince McMahon, no, I don't want to go? No, now it's going to be a couple of events a year. Uh, we will see. Interesting. Now, speaking of Crown Jewel, we have a new uh, champion for Raw. <laughs> Oh, man. Can you believe this? The Fiend is the champion. Cover him. You can't. You can't. I mean, the Fiend is still, he's still moving. He's still stirring. 
God, Rollins teeing him up for another super kick right to the face. The Fiend still won't go down. People in Saudi Arabia still know the chance. They know holy shit when they see it. After Rollins super kicked the fiend into those uh, <laughs> into those uh, packages, those cases. This is unbelievable. <laughs> People are cheering right now. Oh my goodness! The sister Abigail, the Rollins! The Fiend! Rolls from the ashes! And won the Universal Championship! Seth couldn't breathe. The animal claw was on, so that makes him go. Ugh. Bray Wyatt, the new Universal Champion, the champion of Raw. It's a wrestler that doesn't need the championship, but he's the champion. So here's the question. Even in Saudi Arabia, people were booing Seth Rollins after he super kicks the fiend into those cases that they had all set up there in the back. And then, of course, there's there's sparks and flames in the back there that Seth Rollins burns his hand or whatever the hell happened there. And then the fiend ends up winning the championship. Uh, this will burn out, I predict, in about a couple months here. If the fiend... It kicks out at one out of all of the things that Seth Rollins does. Who's going to beat the Fiend? Who's going to beat him? Right? Seth Rollins going to beat him? Who's going to beat him? You've made him out of this monster, almost this Undertaker-like figure. So who's going to beat the Fiend? I don't know why Bray Wyatt needs the WWE Championship. Is he the guy that's going to be signing autographs for kids and doing those make-a-wishes with that mask on? It's just, it's so bizarre. And if you watch that match at Crown Jewel, I, I told Josh Lopez I wasn't going to watch it. And then I went back and I watched just the main event because I just didn't, I didn't have another four hours to watch um, a, a glorified Saudi Arabia house show. I just didn't have time to watch Crown Jewel, but I did watch the main event. I went back earlier this week and watched it. If you watch the match, did you notice that on the ramp, as the, as the match came to a close, Seth Rollins was backing up as if he was the heel. He was on the, on the ramp, on his back, backing up as the Fiend was coming after him. Wait, and this is supposed to be the brave babyface, Seth Rollins, right? It was, this, this whole thing has just been so screwed up. If Seth Rollins is the babyface, Seth Rollins, he can't be afraid. 
as I've mentioned on previous broadcasts here, it's so weird that the babyface is backing up. He's scared of Bray Wyatt, who he's faced many times. Now it's Bray Wyatt in a mask. Oh, but he's the fiend. It's a different character. Okay, fine. But as a babyface, you can't be a chicken shit heel. You can't do that. You you can't be chicken shit and back up from the fiend. No, that doesn't work. He's got to go at him. The fiend's got to back up. But clearly, the fiend doesn't do that. So it just, the whole thing is just weird. Is there going to, and I read somewhere, well, there's going to be a double turn. Well, the turn's already happened. Like people are wherever Bray Wyatt goes, whether he has a mask on or not, whether he's a fiend or not, he gets cheered. He's a character babyface. He is a character babyface. That's what Bray Wyatt has been with the Wyatt family. That's what he is now in this fiend character. He's going to be cheered. There are no boos for for Bray Wyatt. I don't remember the last time, if at all, he was ever booed. He's always been cheered. But the WWE is trying to make him out of this, you know, this badass and like. If you're not establishing real baby faces, the crowd will establish them for you, <laughs> if that makes sense, right? People are, are spitting out Seth Rollins and regurgitating on Seth Rollins. They don't want him. They're gagging on Seth Rollins every time he comes out there. And here's Bray Wyatt, someone that the fans have liked for a long time, fiend or not. And he's getting cheered, and now he's the champion. He's the character babyface. Even though they see him as this mean, vicious heel, he's getting cheers. So how do they handle that? All right, let me move on quickly to Ring of Honor. So Ring of Honor was in Columbus, Ohio on Sunday night for their ROH Unauthorized show. Was it, am I dreaming or was ROH part of a sellout crowd at Madison Square Garden during WrestleMania weekend? Tell me, tell me that that's all a dream. Like, I'm just making that up. Like, ROH and New Japan... I, I want to say I had a dream that ROH in New Japan had a mega show that sold out Madison Square Garden and that there was no WWE to be found in Madison Square Garden. It was just those two companies. And everybody was into it, sold out, big event. And now they've come to ROH in Columbus, Ohio on Sunday nights for, un, uh, for Unauthorized. It was mostly a comedy show hosted by Colt Cabana. He explained that the unauthorized essentially meant that he was going to book the show. He promised the crowd that the wrestling world, uh, that, that the wrestling would be great but weird. One of those statements turned out to be true. Cabana brought out Joe Henry to do singing commentary, not guest commentary. He was saying everything he said. It was him and Ian Riccoboni, and they were the first broadcast team of the night. And so there were some matches there. Ultimo Guerrero and Jonathan Gresham was there. And, but then there was like um, Jeff Cobb was there and Marty Skrull and Delirious and, um, and Swoggle was there. And they had a match. King, uh, Kenny King and Flip Gordon and Dalton Castle defeated Cheeseburger and Cole Cabana's Bouncers. I'm just looking at this, these results here. I did not watch the show because here's why I didn't watch the show. And now watch the show because the main play-by-play voice of Ring of Honor was actually in a match. Rick, Ian Riccoboni. And this is not one of those JR, you know, country whipping matches that WWE's made him or John the Coachman back in the day wrestle. This is just Ian Riccoboni in a match <clears throat> with Todd Sinclair, the referee, also in the match. Todd Sinclair was a referee that has also wrestled 
with Cole Cabana and also Gary Juster. Gary Juster is someone that has been around wrestling for a long time. Gary Juster um, books the buildings. He did that for WCW and the NWA back in the day, and he actually wrestled in the match. Again, Shane Taylor, Brian Johnson, Ron Hunt, and the Soldiers of Savagery. Are you serious? The promoter, Gary Juster, Ian Riccoboni, and Todd Sinclair, the referee, are in a match. Now, the reason why I wasn't even going to watch this show or even think about trying to figure out how I could watch the show is because I saw Ian Riccoboni come off the ropes and drop an elbow on one of the wrestlers. I'm like, are you serious? I was like, this is just un- and Gary Juster, also in a match. Comedy, right? Comedy does not make money. It just doesn't. There's a reason why there's not a comedy match at the top of the card at WrestleMania because that's not what people came to see. People came to see professional wrestling, came to see hard-hitting action to suspend disbelief. And Cole Cabana and ROH decided to put on a comedy show for the fans in Columbus. I mean, I'm not saying that the whole show was comedy because I see some of the results here. There was some wrestling there, but there was just so much weirdness and I'm just thinking, what was what was ROH in April, and what is ROH now in November? There's completely off the map. We talked earlier about when ROH came to Chicago, it came to the Odium in Villa Park, and it could not even fill that out. But Impact Wrestling comes, and it's standing room only. It is, uh, it is amazing the fall that ROH has taken in just a few months. And here's the head scratcher. The head scratcher of this is what Bully Ray said on Busted Open. And that is that ROH could be exactly where AEW is right now. ROH has plenty of money from Sinclair Broadcasting. They have billions of dollars. They could have been able to build themselves one of these days that's open, right? <laughs> Whether it's a Sunday night now or if it's uh, late Friday or on Thursday ROH could be able to have their own night on somebody's network and to be able to showcase what they have and to be able to pay some of the top wrestlers, the independent wrestlers, to come in their company and to be able to put on a great show every week, episodic television. Sinclair Broadcasting, outside of their local markets, could have been able to put something together to push ROH out there. Sinclair, I'm in Chicago. We don't get Sinclair Broadcasting. You know, there's they have it in New York. They have it in, in Michigan. When I travel to Michigan in some areas in the state of Michigan, I could see ROH. I know it's in Pittsburgh when I'm, I'm in Pennsylvania. But it is, uh, it's something. It is something that ROH, from a sold-out house in Madison Square Garden to comedy matches with uh, play-by-play men and referees, I just, uh, I just don't get it. I don't know how they survive. Let me see how it was written by... Justin Kipner from the Wrestling Observer. I'm going to read to you what he said, and then we'll move on to Impact Wrestling. Uh, ROH Unauthorized can be thought of as either fun, out-of-canon exhibition show meant to lift company morale, or as a bright marker pointing out to fans that ROH has entered its late 1990s AWA, late 2000s WCW phase. That's not good. 
<laughs> as an AWA fan in the late 90s, that thing was about to close. And, the, and of course, for those of you that remember the um, WCW, when it was about to close down, you knew under Vince Russo and moving forward that that company wasn't going to last just based on the booking. He also says, I don't know what to say about this match with Cabana, Gary Jester, Riccoboni, and others. Nonplussed is the feeling I'm left with considering ROH bad string of PR in the post-G1 supercard world. I'm not sure if this was the best time to do a show like this and will be used as fuel for the narrative that ROH is unraveling before our eyes because that's surely an argument to be made for this being one of the worst shows of the year. Wow. That's a mouthful. And he's right. Saw the first Impact Wrestling on Access TV. And it's funny, I, as I was at the Odium in Villa Park to see Bound for Glory uh, in Chicagoland, uh, my guy Steve, who works for Sporting News, who was there because we were seeing a media row, and he turned to me, he says, you know, Hoodie, I kind of think that um, there should be a change in world champion. I said, well, why do you think? He goes, I think it would be a good time to be able to give the belt to Sammy Callahan and let him win tonight on Bound for Glory. I said, ah, you know, probably going into the Impact Wrestling on Access TV era, you want to have your babyface strong, Brian Cage. I said, I think he's going to win tonight. And Brian Cage ends up winning the matchup against Sammy Callahan. Well, come on Tuesday, the 29th of October, there is a new Impact Wrestling champion and Sammy Callahan in a hell of a match, uh, a cage match for the world championship. And then soon after Sammy Callahan was a championship, he's confronted face-to-face with Tessa Blanchard. One thing for sure about Impact Wrestling, it is a different company. It is, it's different. Uh, they want to be able to showcase a lot of different things. There's some things in that show that's not for me. Um, it, there's a number of things that's on the show that's not for me, but it's a lot of things I do like about Impact Wrestling. I love when I see Moose out there because Moose is really coming to his own. The knocks, the knockout division was has been terrific for a long time. It, Impact Wrestling knockouts division with the women has been the highlight of that show for years. And a lot of times it's the best thing on that show for years. Before the WWE and their women's revolution, Impact Wrestling when it was down, when it was in the middle, when it was up, the 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 knockouts division was always the best. That was always the highlight for me. And it still is with uh, Taya Valkyrie as the champion. Um, and if you missed my interview with her, go back in the archives. She was terrific. Uh, we talked to her on her birthday. Taya, she was a really, one of my, it's one of my best interviews, favorite interviews for 2019. She was really fun to talk to on and off the air. Uh, so you get a chance to hear it from the Impact Women's Wrestler, uh, Women's Wrestling Champion, um, Taya Valkyrie. Okay, so as far as the show is concerned, there's a couple of concerns. So as I mentioned, there's something for everybody on the show. Um, after seeing the first match, and I was surprised that the tag team championships were not defended on the first night of Impact on Access TV. It was tag team champion Josh Alexander, who wears the the, the headgear kind of like Rick Steiner, uh, taking on Marafuji. Marafuji was on the Bound for Glory show, um, and I thought he was very good. I was surprised this was the first match. It was a good match. I was surprised it was the first match. But then afterwards, there was this, as soon as that match is over, they go into a skit. And I'm just like, well, why go into this bah, bah, bah? Why do you go into this this skit? Why do this now? You have a good match, and then they went right for the funny. 
And he kind of lost me from there. Like, after the first match, give me an interview. And then give me the next match. to Keep building momentum. But they went right to, like, the 70 shows skit. And I just didn't get it. I just didn't understand why it was needed right there. And then the, the next match is, I mentioned the knockouts is the best thing on Impact Wrestling, right? Jordan Grace, Rosemary, Alexa Nicole, defeating Taya Valkyrie, Kira Hogan and Madison Rain in this uh, this matchup they had a six the six woman uh, tag team match. Well, here's the problem: it was this show was so heavily edited, right? It was not live; it was uh, edited for the showing for the viewing on on Access TV. Here's a problem: so when they go to the six women tag team match, Taya Valkyrie's already in the ring. And it's just like they just come back from break and then all of a sudden there's five women in the ring and then they introduce one more. I think it was Rosemary, whoever, was the last woman to come down. I'm like, so this is how you treat Taya Valkyrie? You don't give her like, you know, if you want to have four women in the ring and then you want to introduce the last two, Valkyrie's already in the ring. Like like she was just like some jobber. I think that, that was just, again, a disconnect for me. If you don't have time to have, what is it, six different uh, entrances for the women then at least give Taya Valkyrie her shine. She should have been the last woman coming down the ring and then have the match. Jordan Grace, by the way, upset Taya Valkyrie in that six-woman tag team match. So if Grace and Valkyrie is a match, I'm looking forward to it. I think that would be a tremendous match between those two. And, you know, moving forward, you got Ken Shamrock, who apparently wants to have one more run as a pro wrestling heavyweight champion. I've heard that quote and read that a couple times. You know, Ken looks better now than he he did uh, with the WWE as far as his body. Seeing him live and in person, I'm like, wow, look at this guy. just cut. He looks great. Uh, he's an old, he's older, for sure, but is he still is in great shape. And here comes that jerk Joey Ryan comes out to interrupt Ken Shamrock. It's like... When I saw Joey Ryan at Bonfa Glory, I'm like, oh, God, really? You know, you'd like to see there's another gear in Joey Ryan, but here's my problem with Joey Ryan. You want to do the, the dick spot thing, and you want to be able to, to be known for that. That's great, but is there another gear besides that? Besides that persona, is there something else that we have not seen from Joey Ryan? Clearly not, and that's my problem. Uh, just a below-average wrestler, more of an entertainer, but there's always got to be more, right? What else can I do to entertain besides just put a lollipop in my crotch and then give it to the wrestler? What else can I do? So those are the things. And again, it's great to see Sammy Callahan. Now, here's the difference between like The Fiend and Sammy Callahan. Sammy Callahan should be Impact Wrestling Champion because... That's going to bring more eyeballs to the the television. People like Sammy Callahan because he's rough, um, no nonsense, and he can bring an Impact Wrestling Championship around the globe with him because he wrestles a lot of independents still. And so as a representative for Impact Wrestling as the face of it, that only helps the brand, Impact Wrestling, when he goes to these independent shows. People will say, oh, that's Sammy Callahan, and he's the Impact Wrestling champion. So that works. And if there's going to be more matches between him and, and Brian Cage, I'm all for it because I, I love the dynamic between those two. Okay, so lastly, for those that don't know, my favorite tag team of all time was the Midnight Express with Jim Cornette. 
don't know if I've talked about this on the air before, but my favorite tag team of all time is someone who's been watching wrestling since the late 70s. My favorite tag team of all time was I mean, I Express because they were different and they were new. I was a huge Bobby Eaton fan, a huge Dennis Condry or Stan Lane fan. The dynamic of the um, Midnight Express was always interesting to me. They was all they were always a tag team that made other tag teams better, and they were always innovative. And I always loved the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette. I just thought that the dynamic was always fun. So because of the Midnight Express, I've always been a Jim Cornette fan as well, I'm unabashed Jim Cornette fan. Because Jim is someone that is going to speak his mind. I know when he was in wrestling uh, as a wrestling manager, just like Bobby Heenan, just like Jimmy Hart, just like Gary Hart, just like some of the all-time greats, they were able to talk you into the building. They wanted you to hate them. And that was him playing a character. He played the heel character very, very well. So in his post wrestling managerial career he's doing that as a podcaster on the Jim Cornette experience there's so many people that are going after Jim Cornette because of his comments the same people that went after Jim Cornette when he was a wrestling manager because he's playing a character at that point and now he's just a guy that's not happy with some of the modern wrestling not all of it but some of it there's some things in modern wrestling that he does not like. And he picks out Joey Ryan. He picks out certain wrestlers um, that he does not like because he came from an era in which professional wrestling was presented as a sport where you had some fun, yes, but he doesn't like the idea that people that love the silliness, um, he doesn't feel that that's necessarily professional wrestling. He thinks there's too much of it. So I listen to his podcast, and I know where he's coming from. And, and the thing about, about Jim just like Vince Russo, just like so many others that have a podcast on professional wrestling, I don't have to agree with everything, but I de- definitely want to be entertained. And Jim is very entertaining, and he says a lot of things, some things I don't agree with, but some things I do. And But, but to his core, he just believes that professional wrestling should be presented in a way where it's like sport, like there's competition, there's interviews, um, there are kind of skits to be able to enhance the talent, get the talent over, and put butts in seats. It's a simple formula. But a lot of the stuff in between where we're watching wrestling, as I mentioned, the ROH show, ROH comedy show, really, for a, 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 a brand that's going in the wrong direction, a comedy show, there shouldn't be a comedy show for, for professional wrestling if you're trying to make money. Now, if you're doing it just for the house and you want to be able to have fun that way and make the crowd laugh, that's fine. But just understand that you're trying to grow the sport, not trying to just entertain your buddies. So I, I totally understand that. So Jim Cornette was on Jim Cornette Experience, and the reason why that he's going off on this rant is because on the NWA website from Dave Lagana, the vice president of the NWA, over the last few days, a situation was brought to our attention in regard to comments made by Jim Cornette that have been taken... Uh, as making light of the subject of suicide. We've addressed the situation internally with Mr. Mr. Cornette and made it very clear that any comments in regards to this subject, joking or serious, are not endorsed by Lightning One or the National Wrestling Alliance. Mr. Cornette understands the seriousness of the situation, and with that, he will remain the color commentator for NWA Power. Yeah, Jim works with NWA Power with Joe Galley. That's, that's the broadcast team for the YouTube series NWA 
NWA Power that comes on every Tuesday at 6.05 Eastern, 5.05 Central Time. So, Jim was made some comments, and they, what you're going to hear here, regarding suicide and um, talking about a former Progress Wrestling announcer, Jim Smallman, and, and pretty much said that, hey, you know, the way this guy was dressed, he looks like a hobo bum. <laughs> and, you know, they should they should hang him for the way he's looking. Um, so the NWA has their statement about National Suicide Prevention Hotline. They have a, a number that they put on their website. But I can tell over the years, Lagana's very serious when it comes to suicide and trying to help people regarding suicide. And people got on social media in this cancel culture and want Cornette out because they thought he was making light of suicide. His thoughts from the Jim Cornette Experience podcast. It it doesn't make sense any other way, to be honest. Yeah, you don't need guys winking at the camera. But anyway, that's I, I got mad because the wrestling fans of yesteryear were the ones who would defend the business. Were the ones they would get in fights if somebody said, "Well, it's goofy and it's silly and it's fake and it's bullshit." There would be fights started. The wrestling fans of today speak worse of wrestling in their own way than the people who hated it and thought it was a bunch of bullshit back then because they're the ones who are saying, well, it's supposed to be silly and fake and funny and entertaining and nobody should take it seriously. That That's actually worse. They, they use worse of, of, of appendages to describe the business now than the people who hated it back in the old days. Then now the people who who don't really know anything about wrestling and don't like it, they just say, oh, yeah, it's a big business on TV. They're the, they're kind of halfway putting it over. And the wrestling fans are shitting on it. That's supposed to be fucking stupid with the, you know... It, 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 I, I don't know that, uh, that, it, that the fans are not part of the problem here. I, I've said it's the, the wrestlers that make the fans think that it's okay. To think this, the cosplay wrestlers make the fans think that it's okay to view the business this way and it's acceptable. So technically it's their fault. But now these fucking fans, and I'm not talking about all the members of the cult of Cornette out there that's listening to me. I'm talking about these fucking morons that aren't listening or they'd be smarter than they are. And that, you know, think that this goddamn thing should be a Saturday night live sketch. Um, I, I, I just don't, and, and, and then they fit right in with, they're always offended. Have you seen the girl, the twat on Twitter, the Twitter twat campaigning to have me boycotted and banned from polite society here this past week? She, she's in and out every once in a while. I have not. I'm unaware of this. Okay. Well, this goes back to, and they're, like I said, they're all so easy. Remember I did the Andy Kaufman thing, the, you know, you ought to be back in the kitchen rattling the pots <laughs> and pans around. Yeah. No, to the, to the fucking, to the yeah, TMZ wannabe guy, right? And he was like, oh, I can't believe he said this. And it was Andy Kaufman. I figured the fucking Hollywood guy would get it, right? <clears throat> so anyway, remember a couple of years ago, we reviewed a match from one of the UK promotions. And I watched it on YouTube or wherever it was. The first thing I saw was the ring announcer in a ring. And this guy had these big floppy tennis shoes on. I'm not sure they were even tied and some baggy sweatpants and some fucking floppy, like big shirt that's too big for him. Like maybe the rappers wear and he's got a baseball, he's bald headed, shaved bald, even though he's a young man, 
got a baseball cap turned backwards. And, you know, and the whole, and he looks like, you know, a homeless bum, right? And I mentioned in the review, I said, well, the first thing is, I said, the first thing I see is the fucking ring announcer. And he's dressed like a fucking bum that just hopped off a fucking train or, you know, they got from a homeless shelter. I said, they're dressing that way for a show. They ought to have taken him out and hung him in the parking lot. And then I continued on with the review of the match. And then I found out later on the, the ring announcer was also the promoter of the show. That's right. That's right. And somebody said, what's his gimmick? He's a stand-up comic. Oh, so he's a stand-up comic from the homeless shelter and tells all those funny stories about the soup kitchens. I don't, what the fuck, who gives a shit, right? But this guy flipped his fucking wig, lost his shit. As he suggested that I should be taken out and hung by the neck until dead in the car park. And like that, that like that to to wish ill on this guy, this stupid fuck, and in, in the dressed like a bum in the ring was my only point of this critique of this match because I'd never say anything else about this guy ever again, right? But he took it personally, and he flipped out about it. <laughs> well, that's been a couple of years ago. Well, now th- there's a girl on Twitter, and I'm sorry if it if there's any special issues going on with her, or whatever. I think she's just like a Rock and Roll Express teenage girl fan, and she's got the purple hearts and flowers and everything, and she's in love with some wrestler. I don't fucking know, but anyway, every once in a while she'll pop in with what a disgusting fucking human being I am, and a couple of days ago she pops in with, well, and you're all saying you're a misogynist and hate, you know, whatever. I said, hey, toots. <laughs> I think you're back in the kitchen and cook something, right? Oh, God damn. Oh, Jesus Christ. You just shut your pie hole, chick, and get back in the kitchen. Oh, my God. And so then she picks up on the fucking, well, he encouraged suicide. What? Oh, my he God. Told, he, he encouraged, he's encouraging people to kill themselves. And so I tweeted to, and make and she got like all four of her friends on this too. Well, yeah, I encouraged this guy to hang himself in the parking lot. I never say anything about hanging himself. I tweeted back. I said, I never say anything about him doing himself. He could have had help. <laughs> That's entirely up to the situation, right? Because what the fuck is the matter with these fucking people? Do they, are, do they exist in this world? If they're offended by this shit, can they possibly walk to the store and back? without having a fucking complete mental breakdown what the and it's this easy to just wind these fucking nitwits up but yeah oh my god he's he's promoting suicide ban him everybody fire him ban him from polite society he's promoting suicide good lord it's this whole cancel culture where they want to anything that someone doesn't like they want to use that to try to get someone fired or thrown off something and you know, sometimes it happens to someone that you really think is a despicable human being, and sometimes you're just like, what is this? What is well, this yeah, that, that, it's like it's, mentality? But see, they have to take everything too far, like they're wrestling. Everything, like we've talked about in wrestling, anything works until you take it too far and do it too much. Yes, Donald Trump should be impeached and thrown out of office and straight into fucking prison because he's a goddamn criminal that has fucking put the entire world in danger. Not to mention an asshole and a fucking ignorant ignoramus and goddamn pig-faced piece of shit. Yes, impeach president, kick him the fuck out. Get rid of him instantly. But you don't have to fucking cancel the guy that sold fucking, you know, a, a, a rotten fruit to you at the fruit stand on the corner. You don't have to get that fucking fired up about everything. It's a lot there. Um, <clears throat> so the thoughts there from Jim Cornette on the Jim Cornette 
experience. It is a wild ride. He has a lot of controversial thoughts, <laughs> as always. Um, but I will agree to with him only in this extent. I don't think that everything has to be taken so seriously that you have to fire someone um, because of a comment. And, you know, here's the thing that even Jim, but the one thing I will say, Jim Cornette can also learn, not necessarily about being politically correct, because I don't believe in political correctness. What I believe is in correctness. If this is phrase that he used to use living in Louisville, living in the South for a long time, maybe it's pretty clear that because of the sensitivity of um, suicide that we have here, you can be able to modify or change that expression. There's nothing wrong with that. So as I mentioned before, there's some things I always agree with Jim about and some things I don't. But that's the, the seriousness of suicide is something that should not be taken lightly. So even though I'm not necessarily offended by it, I understand how people would be. It's not necessarily adjusting for society. It's adjusting for what's right. Not political correctness, just correctness. And even as a Jim Cornette fan, there's, as I mentioned, there's some things that he can modify, sayings he can modify um, to um, be able to bring everybody under the tent. And so that's something that he should consider for sure. Man, he is a lightning rod for conversation. He was a heel as a wrestling manager, and he is a heel for some people in wrestling here in 2019. The one thing for sure, he's not irrelevant because people are always listening to what he's got to say. Uh, when people stop listening, when people stop tweeting about him, when he stops trending, that's when he'll be irrelevant. But he'll always be one of my favorite wrestling managers, that's for sure. All right, don't forget to send me a tweet at WrestlingTWT. Also, don't forget to email the show whenever you get a chance, you have a question, or if you have a card that you want to promote, I will promote your wrestling company. I'll promote your card. If you have a card, wherever you're listening to us from, throughout the United States or Canada or in the UK or wherever you're listening to our podcast, if you have a wrestling show that I should be talking about, make sure you send it, uthpods at outlook.com. All right. Don't forget, we'll have another wrestling program for you, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, our bonus edition as we review AEW versus NXT. All right. I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for listening. Tell people. Tell people. Jonathan Hood's Talking Wrestling, Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday, every Tuesday, right here, wherever you download your podcast. Talk to you soon.